Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Football Club Pod. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the pod. As you're probably wondering, it's not it's not Milan presenting this today. Uh, it's me, Dim. Today we're going to talk about uh, a slightly different topic to what we've discussed so far. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about the death or supposed death of the number ten position in a formation. Today we've got the usual suspect, uh, Jayan here with us and we've got another guest appearance from Gotham gonna become uh Milan's replacement soon aren't you mate yeah it's becoming a regular occurrence now isn't it uh he's off doing uh, I'm not sure what he's up to actually but um but yeah no it's good to be on yeah it's good to have you how you doing Jen the, the, judge, the dreaded question <laughs> <laughs> Same old dim. You know, I've been watching a Harry Potter marathon, so that's why you know today I was a bit delayed. I had to finish it off. <laughs> that's that's that completed now. Yeah, that's it, man. You know, it's Christmas, so it has to be done. What's your favourite one? Uh, I was actually think I was actually thinking about this. It has to be um, the Order of no, the Goblet of Fire or Prisoner of Azkaban. Big fan of Sirius Black then? Yeah, it's one of those where like, I don't know, you guys are quite big on Harry Potter? Yeah. Because I, the first film I went to watch in cinemas and I watched it all the way up until I think the, the fifth or the sixth one in cinema, so when it came out. And obviously back then, like you're a kid, so you, 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 like, you literally grew up with them. Yeah, I think we like, we're quite similar in age, so I remember like you just nagging your parents, let's go, let's go watch it and stuff, and that was the shit, man. Mate, no yeah, the books are pretty big as well. Mm. Everyone's all coming to school, rocking up that massive, thick, yeah, like the, uh, thick yeah. books. Yeah, the more you watch it, or the more you there's so many like hidden parts to it and if you get yeah, like I said if you read the book and stuff it's just so in depth man it's just crazy I might have how, to rewatch all that it's just how in- entwined it is is mad it's literally it's just so like just baffles me how she could have thought that far ahead and that far behind and link everything up alright so uh, yeah uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it so guys have you heard the uh, Harry Potter chant uh, that was sung to John Joe Shelby. They were saying, he's coming for you, he's coming for you. Harry Potter, he's coming for you. Uh, okay, 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 it makes sense. Because <laughs> he looks like Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah, uh, the number 10. So, what do you guys uh, feel about the number 10? For those listening uh, who may not be aware, uh, the number 10 uh, position is a midfielder who is a lot more advanced than the other centre midfielders, uh, who sits in the pocket between the strikers and the centre midfielders. Um, so, yeah, uh, guys, what, what, what's your thoughts? Well, I think just based on what you said, the, the description of what you, the description you've given for that role, 
I think it's drastically different to what the description probably would have been about 15 years ago, 10, even 10 years ago. Mm. I think back then a lot of people used to see it as like a second striker sort of position. So, um, you know, people like Burkamp comes to mind straight away. You know, I think he's pretty good playing that. Um, but I think the position has been adapted a lot in the last 10 years or so. I think it's mainly down to sort of the style of play that teams play. Um, you have usually now just a lone striker up top. And there's been a lot more influence of these sort of inverted like wingers or inverted forwards, which have always been around, but maybe a bit more prominent in the last sort of 10 years or so, five to 10 years. Um, and as a result, it's you've sort of seen that number 10 role just go into more of a midfield position um, and not so sort of supportive of a striker, if that makes sense. So I guess that's kind of how I see it anyway, in terms of how the role sort of dipped away or changed its definition, I guess you could say. Yeah, for me, um, going to what you just said, how it's kind of moved to more of the midfield, I think there's more of like a number eight, slash 10 hybrid now and the prime example I can think of that is Juan Aldum uh, and even Fernandez. now Fernandez doesn't necessarily play off the, the striker but he's kind of everywhere if that makes sense so he helps out defensively but is then kind of like the link between the forward line and uh, the midfield so I think the the positional uh, aspect of that creative midfielder has changed slightly different um to what it was uh let's say 10 10 years ago um it's kind of been a lot more withdrawn and being more of a box-to-box yeah definitely i think um over the years as gotham and yourself alluded to i think the position has changed i think the the game's changed as well i think before you used to have like two center mids or like a center mid that would literally just sit in front of the defense and they wouldn't budge or do anything more uh, key player that I always comes to mind is just Kaka. That one season where he just shredded, you know, Champions League, the league, just shredded Europe. I remember came Old Trafford just killed us apart. And you you watch him, he's literally just like a secondary striker. He's just, just a hang there. Defensively, did nothing. Um, but now I think that kind of a player needs to dip or drop a bit deeper, and they need they do need to contribute a bit more defensively into the game, whether it's drifting out to the left, drifting out to the right. And I think, like you see now, like your Jack is always hang, lingering around into that inside left centre bit, or um, Bruno Fernandes is over there as well. So, you know, there's there's key players. I think that's why you see Meza Ozil kind of fade away. He's not in the plans of the last, this manager and the last defensively doesn't really contribute much. Um, but... I don't think it's it's a role that's dying. I think it's just something that's uh, kind of taking a new turn. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the, the Ozil situation, really, I think he's probably a victim of what was happening at the club as well, a little bit. Um, you know, good player and everything. Um, but it's also strange one because Wenger's the one that really brought him in and loved him. So it's strange to see how he couldn't continue fitting into the team as time went on. I think the problem with um, that is also the fact that that number 10, so, so-called so number 10, played in a quite rigid formation. You don't really see 4-2-3-1s now. 
uh, or uh, like a four-one-two-one-two, but really narrow. Um, and I feel that now teams are kind of more defending from the front, uh, you know, putting pressure on the defenders and having to go 10, 20 yards further back as well. I think that position kind of becomes a little bit redundant with that. So, yeah, I, I personally think that players such as Ozil, uh, Coutinho even now, you saw in Coutinho's final season, uh, final full season at um, Liverpool, he didn't play off the top, but he didn't play centre midfield, if that makes sense. He kind of played in a little bit of a, a, a hybrid role where we didn't know whether he was kind of a left winger or midfielder or a number 10. And I think that's where the, 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 the disparities kind of come across. Yeah, I think with players like him and like Bruno Zola, they're just good at dropping into those pockets. Mm. Like you said earlier, they'll be everywhere on the pitch, like right to left. Do you know what I mean? Um, but you've got to accommodate them sort of, into your team, though. That's the thing. So you've got to have yeah, them around them. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in a way, you've got to kind of give them free role to mm. sort of just do their thing. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to see how, how the, the perception of the role has changed um, over time. I think. Like Jane was saying earlier, before you see teams playing sort of four four twos, you have a flat four in the middle. You have your your centre forward and the second striker who would sort of run across and do a lot of the attacking work, as your two wingers would be a bit more sort of set back. Um, whereas now they're a lot more advanced, and you know, like you said, that that role sort of diminished. Yeah, I think. There's yeah, like there's been massive tri- positional transitions as well. I think you see a bit more of the false nine, or a striker kind of dips, drops deeper now. So I think they kind of half cover that number ten role themselves. And then what you see is, um, like you see with Liverpool, you know, Mane and Salah, and then Firmino is that kind of number ten slash striker becomes a, a eventually like just a false nine. So. You know, I think, yeah, football's kind of evolved in that sense, big time. So that traditional number 10, like Kaka or wherever it is, just, they just don't go about now. And I think also when you shift more to the wingers as well and attacking fullbacks, it kind of takes away from that number 10 position. But do you feel that that creativity of, uh, you know, getting into pockets and that is something that will be missed? In the Premier League, for example, in in what sense? In in terms of ha- having it or not having it? As in, would it be would it be better to have that kind of link between the striker kind of thing? Yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. Um, it's tricky. I guess that kind of depends on how you play as a team, doesn't it? Um, with a lot of teams, you see a lot of, uh, well, the Premier League anyway, sort of attacking football, counter-attacking football, quick in transition, which you kind of need runners for. So you would, you'd sort of think, okay, well, the, the wingers or inverted wingers, inverted strikers would have more of an impact. Um, but at the same time, you still do need someone in the middle of the pitch to connect the play, but a normal sitting midfielder could do that. Um, you don't necessarily need a, a number 10. Um, so yeah, I guess it kind of depends on the style of play. Um, I'm not sure maybe across Europe, 
the number 10 position is a bit more prominent. I know James is an expert in uh, continental football. Um, he might be able to give us a bit more info on that. I think, I think it's the same as what, it, what we're seeing in the Premier League. You know, the positional, the formations are changing. I think the roles are changing. I think, like you see, like, I think the perfect example is like a Madison type player. You know, they sit deep. Um, and they do drive with the ball forward and they do find a pocket. And again, Bruno Fernandes, you know, if you look at his positional heat map, a lot of the ball probably a lot of the time outside the box, but there are massive fractions where he's just in front of the defence. He's picking up the ball and he's driving it forward or doing something with it. I think that is the kind of modern day, like number 10. But I think that kind of player has to be exceptional, you know, for you to kind of dictate and warrant that kind of position in that team it's, it's not easy I think you've seen it with Grealish I think Bruno Fernandes um, you know I think you've seen Havertz struggle with that Chelsea Liverpool have been crying out for that type of player I think you know I think they played Jota there I think one or two games just behind um, for Firmino works well you know it's just he's got that type of player where technically amazing opens up more space um, so you know, obviously you've got Man City, KDB again, but he, and again he's another one that plays a bit deeper and then does drive forward. So I think we will continue to see this type of player coming forward, but it's I don't think you know, that this role is dying away. I think KDB is a prime example of the eight ten hybrid because you've got the, the Sky Sports have labelled it the kind of De Bruyne position where it's kind of half a number ten, half a number eight. Uh, on the right-hand side where he just gets the ball set back to him whipped in, whipped, and he whips it into the box. And I think for that, you've got to have one, bags of energy, and two, you've got to have the technique for that. And I think that's where players like Christian Eriksen have kind of fallen off uh, in the past like year or so. Because he doesn't, although he's technically really good, he doesn't really have that energy and you know that ability to kind of drag the team by the scruff of the neck and just kind of push forward. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think the description you gave of De Bruyne's role was spot on. I think a player that comes to mind who used to do that a lot was Gerald. Um, you know, he was that was him. I mean, you can he could probably play in any position. He said play he was that good, but that description he just came to my head straight away. Um, there's a lot of similarities between De Bruyne and him, even the way he runs. A lot of the same player on the pitch. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think that's that's a very sort of you have to be a top top player to to play that role consistently week in week out, um, and I think he does a great job of it. Yeah, I don't think there's that many players that we can see that kind of have that eight to ten hybrid. You know, um, having that kind of explosiveness going forward, but also kind of the discipline to get back the other way, which is a rarity and I guess players need to evolve. Coutinho, for example, would be a prime example. We tried him in that eight to 10 hybrid, but he didn't really give us anything going backwards. And arguably you could say that that also contributes to the team conceding so many goals. We scored over a hundred goals in, uh, in the season where we almost won the league, uh, but conceded 50. And I think that is that, that midfield trio is like the key to having a good offense and also a good defense as well. So then as a counter to that, you could probably argue and say, well, that's the sacrifice that the number 10 has made is to 
to shore up that defense, right? So as that was, I didn't really word it properly. As a as a point to back up this whole argument, you could kind of then say, well, that number ten position has been sacrificed to, to literally shore up the midfield, as we've been sort of explaining. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. I think if you sacrifice it, it it gives you stability in the midfield and winning that midfield battle, but also gives you that leverage to go forward and have that extra man uh, arriving into the box, for example getting the balls in, supporting the fullback when, you know, they attack. You look at Henderson, for example, going forward now, he's kind of that De Bruyne position, in that in that De Bruyne position, edge of the box, near the wing, looking like an auxiliary fullback to try and whip the ball in, if, if that makes sense. So, in, in essence, I do think that, you know, that, posi- that number 10 position has been sacrificed. And I think rightly so in, in a system that, if you look at Liverpool, for example, you need to have that that number eight slash ten role who kind of gives you a little bit going forward but also defensively. I think players have just started to change now as well. I think you've seen staple players like Bruno Fernandez is now KDB. KDB has been has been done so for the last couple of years now. I think Bruno is now the staple player, you know, in terms of how he conducts himself and in that type of role. And I think there'll be more players that are going to be looking towards him and I think there's going to be more managers and coaches and be like look this is what you you need to do this is how you need to play look at how he drifts you know in and around you can't mark him it's a simple thing like everyone knows Man United they tick around him but I'm sure every other manager said man mark him simple it's not simple though you can't the way he moves around the way he picks up the ball how many key passes doing he's doing a game in game out how does he do it you know if you probably look at a bit more detailed how his movement is around the pitch how he drops deep, how he loses the man, how he mixes himself in with the other midfielders. You know, it's not easy to mark that type of player because then what ends up happening is that midfielder ends up pushing too far forward. So you've got to eventually let him go. And I think that's that's the type of player that you will see a bit more coming forward. And yeah, I think it has taken a massive transition, but I think for the better. Yeah, I think when you look at like the marking side of things, if you have a sole number 10, he can be kind of taken out of the game if you put a number six on him. And you, you look at the likes of, in the past, you look at Makaleli, SCN, uh, Balak, you know, strong players and very athletic players. They can mark a number 10 out of the game with no problem. And whereas you, if you look at that, that third centre midfielder who's uh, the hybrid, in inverted commas, uh, between the number eight and 10, when you see that kind of drift in uh, into positions, he becomes really, really hard to pick up with those late runs. And I think that's where Bruno Fernandes really thrives. Uh, and you see how successful he is. He's able to drift into space, pick a pass, and then help out defensively as well uh, when the opposition transition. Yeah, I mean, he's brilliant at doing that. I think he's, a, he's an exceptional case. There's not many players like like him, we can do that. Um, but yeah, like I said, he's top draw. We speak about him every week. That's how good he is. Um, I see Jan just smiling. You know, he just loves hearing about him. Every day, go home, every week. <laughs> um, yeah, he's top draw. And without him, uh, United would be in big, big trouble. Mm. I think you look at likes of Bellingham coming through, it would be another good fit for that kind of role. Obviously, we've seen him play a lot deeper for uh, Borussia Dortmund, almost alongside Axel Witzel. 
So I think he's one for the future that could really take that that fold um, to kind of link the attack and defence. Just talking about Bellingham there, it's just sort of um, drawing my memory about, well, everyone knows about him, but Phil Foden and sort of his position on the pitch. Um, what, what do you guys reckon is going to happen there? I know he's not really getting as much game time as he probably should be, I feel, and a lot of others feel too. Um, but what, what do you see happening with him in that sort of role? I think I've seen a, bit, a few rumours and stuff like lingering around on Twitter that he wants to leave. Um, you know, game time is not there. I think at the start of the season, he was in and then randomly Pep, being Pep just phased him out. And then he's been coming in bit part in a couple of games here and there. That's about it. And fair play, you know, if he does want to move on, and I think that's probably the best choice for him. You've seen Jadon Sancho at the age of like 17 made a decision that look on at this point now. Um, if Phil Foden done so at that point, he probably would have been one of the, what probably would have been a world beater by now. You know, he's at 21. He would have had three, four years of football under his belt. And he's not even had that much Premier League or top level of football. And you can just see when he plays half an hour, 10 minutes, this guy is absolutely amazing. And I, I just don't get it why why he doesn't play more. But I think there is no other option there for Man City. He's, he's got to kind of drift off now. He's got to move away. And maybe in a couple of years' time, Man City have got the money anyway. And if, if he does become the player that they want, they can buy him back. And I think that's what he's just got to kind of do now. He's got to look at his own career. It's a similar similar situation with what happened with Sancho, I guess. You know, he needs to, Foden needs to probably go abroad or he can obviously do it in the Premier League, but I doubt he'll want to go to another team uh, in the Premier League because he's a City fan. Um, so I think someone like Dortmund would be perfect for him. I know we've seen uh, Bellingham and Sancho go there, potential of uh, Jaden Brath uh, from City going there now. Um, but I think a team like that, where they have a kind of setup um, like they do to bring young players through. I think that would be perfect for him, really. What are your top three number 10s of all time? Um, just off the top of my head, I've gone for, I think Goffin already mentioned him, Des Bergkamp, you know, how he kind of came about into the Premier League, just his elegance, how he went about it. The stats, goals, you know, he's an amazing type of player just to have. Uh, I think he did kind of revolutionise that role in the Premier League. Um, the second one I've got is Kaka. Kaka, for me, you know, my eyes, Ballon d'Or winner that season, those couple of years, you know, just, he was the best player, you know, just tore everyone apart. He was like a secondary striker at the time. So from what I remember, you know, he's just amazing type of player. So explosive. And the third one I've gone with um, is Kevin De Bruyne. Again, when numbers, stats, goals, assists, key passes per game, you know, he's there. Um, Premier League, if you go for longevity, is probably the best cam at the moment. Um, obviously, Bruno's just been there for literally probably like maximum a year, joined end of Jan, so I can't really put him in the, in the equation there. But in terms of what he does season in, season out, which is phenomenal. So I think those are my top three. Yeah, for me, my, so my number one, I'm, I'm just going to go on uh, what I found really visually a appealing to watch. Um, so number one, uh, I know this might sound biased and I've said this in the past, you know, 
bias and you know leaning towards Liverpool. But uh, one of my favourite players to have ever played for Liverpool, uh, I was quite gutted that he went to Barcelona. Uh, it would be Philip Coutinho. Just, he was just magic on the ball. Um, he could shoot from distance. Passing was phenomenal. And I think that is what the modern day number 10 should look like. Uh, my second one, uh, again, with both of you, uh, I, I think Jay and uh, you mentioned it, Kaka. Um, unbelievable. I can't believe that guy even told him to set it back to him in, in Hackney or where, wherever it was. Magician. Uh, the way he tore apart United, tore apart Liverpool in that Istanbul final as well. I think it was just a joy to behold, uh, really. Um, and number three, slightly different. Um, I would have gone for Kevin De Bruyne, but I wanted to go for something slightly different. And I actually have a shirt of his, uh, so I'll go for him. Uh, Wesley Schneider. Just technique. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, Set-piece specialist. Can strike a ball, pass it. You name it, he can do it. And he's also quite a, a, quite a dogged little player um, when he wanted to be. So, yeah, that's my three. Yeah, he's a quality player, wasn't he, Schneider? That, you know, whilst he was at Inter, they won that treble. Uh, yeah, he was quality. Top player. Linked to the United a couple of times, but then everyone else is linked to the United. So. I think he was and quite lucky happened. not to win uh, some individual honours as well on a global scale. Quite, quite unlucky. So, just yeah, just the era that he played in. It's unfortunate we've got Messi, Ronaldo around, um, and he went to Galatasaray, didn't he? Afterwards, yeah, played, played there for a few years. Did really well. But yeah, he was, well. yeah, quality player. Um, so yeah, I'll go ahead with mine. My, my first two are the same as Jans, Bergkamp and Kaka. Um, it's quality players. Uh, visions of Kaka running through the United defence at Old Trafford, scoring at the Stratford end was just ridiculous. The way he left um, Gabriel Heinze in a, in, a, in a heap. Left him for dead. Like, he was just quality. Um, and the other Bergkamp, yeah, top player. Him and Henri, just something else. Um, the third one I've gone for, I think maybe some people will say he's more, he was more of a midfielder, but then I guess that's the whole point of this debate, isn't it? Um, I, I would see him more as the cam, obviously, it was Zanadine Zidane. Um, top player, and he speaks for himself. Don't even need to give that guy an intro. Um, he's a quality player. Um, you know, one of the best that there probably ever will be. Um, so, yeah, he's my third pick. Yeah, Zidane was a, a, a strange uh, hybrid between the two. So, um, I guess, similar to the De Bruyne, I guess, but a little bit, you know, older uh, in terms of generation-wise. But, yeah, solid picks. Control. So, guys, uh, just to wrap up, what are your guys' outlooks for 2021 in the Premier League? Um... I don't, know, I don't know where to start, to be honest. I think the whole Premier League this season has been quite a shock. I think from to where someone like uh, United are to where United are at the moment. So I think from the bottom end to the top. So I, I, can't, I can't say anything more. <laughs> I'm baffled myself. Uh, I think United probably top four. I think I think that's, that's as far as I'd probably go. I can't see us keep keeping up or going toe-to-toe with Liverpool. Um, the defensive 
fragilities are still there. You know, I think we've conceded only three less, three more goals than Liverpool, but still, it's it's not good enough. You know, as in, if you want to win the league, I think your foundation has to be a rock. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where Man City lie in all of this, and who's the fourth team? Is it going to be a Leicester City? Is it going to be a Villa? Who is it going to be that fourth team, or is it going to be Spurs? I think we can all ride Arsenal out of the equation. I think they're just tottering along at the bottom. Finally picked up a win, so I think that's good to see from their side. Um, but it's just going to be interesting. But I think Sheffield United have gone. You know, I think they've got two points off 16 games or something. They're fucking shit. And I think West Brom, they're shit as well. I think they're gone. I don't know how they picked up a point against Liverpool, but Part they're absolutely sh- yeah, just shit as shit they are. And I don't know who that third team's going to be. I think. Where Burnley picked up another win. I think Burnley so I will think, stay up. Yeah, I think so as well. I, I think, think Sheffield United up. will definitely break um, Derby's record of the least amount of points. Yeah, uh, sacked. Well, I, I think it's because you have to look at the players that they have. What he managed to do with them last year. And, you yeah, know, based but... on that, I think they know that if they bring anyone else in, they're really going to struggle without having to sort of being able to bring anyone in in the transfer window because from what I've been hearing I don't think they're going to be able to bring anyone in it's going to be like maybe a loan here or there and that's about it but I don't understand um, how they've fallen off like this like they were doing so well last year and then I don't know you know what it is as, as one of our friends Amir explains it it's all mash there's no sauce um, it's probably <laughs> that's in his own words not mine um, yeah it's, it's it's been awful, really bad. It's just the formation, the style of play. I think they've kind of been found out, but they're going to get relegated without a fight by the seams of it. So what have you got yeah, to lose yeah. by getting rid of him? If, if they don't get rid of him now, I think when they do come into the championship, they're going to have to get rid of him regardless. Like, it's evident you can't continue to play this style of football. It's longevity-wise, it's just, it's not working. You know, I think, yeah, fair enough, the players are not there, but if you look at someone like Burnley and stuff, like... They don't really have amazing or blessed with any fantastic quality themselves. I think they're they're in and around that kind of 15, 14 spot year in, year out. So I think they're not spent well. They've got to make, they've got to do it, they've got to sack him. You know, I think they've still got half the season left. So anything can happen, but they need some sort of revival and they need some sort of change to happen ASAP. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think looking at the other teams down there, like you said, Sheffield, West Brom, not really looking too good. And I think Big Sam can turn that one around. Um, it's just really of that third relegation spot. Uh, you've got teams, again, down there, Brighton, um, our Palace are going to get drawn into it. Looking at, but they can do enough, I think, personally speaking. Newcastle, they're going to be drawn into that. I mean, we can... We don't have to put Arsenal into that question. Uh, I know a lot of Arsenal fans thinking they might get relegated. They won't. Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that goes in the next sort of six months. But as you mentioned earlier on, Jay, I think the other interesting thing will, will be City and how they push on. A um, bit of pressure on them, I guess you could say. They need to really sort of win as many games as they can in the next sort of couple of months to try and get back up into that sort of second, third position push Liverpool. Um, I don't think United have it in them, to be honest, to have a sustained sustain challenge. Uh, they will drop off. You kind of see City running in from behind now. Um, 
so yeah, those are my kind of two other top and bottom of the table. That's how I sort of see it panning out for the next sort of six, five, six months. I actually disagree with you on the United point. I think you guys have looked pretty decent uh, in the past couple of weeks. So I think top four is definitely, I think, a shout for you guys. And I think even the title challenge, really, if you keep, you've got a game in hand, remember, as well, um, against Burnley. And I think that's points that you should be getting. Um, so I think with the likes of Fernandez, if you can keep him fit, you know, he plays every game, really. But even the likes of Rashford, Rashford is someone that you're going to need to keep fit because he's come up with some really important goals in the past couple of weeks. So I think if you can start firing consistently from there, that point of view, I think you guys shouldn't have too much difficulty getting into the top four, at least. I think Chelsea, don't get me started on them. I think big frauds, big, big frauds, um, spent a quarter of a billion um, and to do nothing, doing nothing. Like, come on, man. B- big money spent. Yeah, that, that's that. He spent a lot. So, there's evidently, going to be pressure on him. But just going back to your point in United, um, yeah, we've been winning games and attacking, you know, and scoring goals where we need it. But we've been extremely lucky as well, I think, yeah, but sometimes in you some need of the that. games. Like, no, you do, 100%. You, you need it like we've won titles based on that in the past like, literally um but uh you you got to spot on consistency is a key if we can find some consistency now the next couple of months then yeah obviously going into easter you'd say yeah you know we'd have a chance but i don't think um i don't think we will have much consistency i think we'll drop points as will everyone else yeah, I think um, I think the likes of Martial really need to step it up. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not he's really, one... I'm not a really big fan of him. Um, he's just he just has this kind of swagger about him without kind of like substance, really. Um, yeah, you're right. He's one, but I think the other thing is literally is, is the midfield. I think Ole needs to really sort of just knuckle down and go. I, I know you have to rotate players as part of the game, especially when you've got fixture congestion as you do this season, as with any season. But it's how they're being told to play, which I don't really agree with in that middle, that middle three. I mean, I think we saw it. And we could go, this, go into this in a whole lot of depth, but, you know. But um, who would your midfield three be, first and foremost? Um, uh, for me, I, I don't think we'd ever, we'd ever see it. It would be Fred van der Beek and, and Bruno as my starting three in the middle. We wouldn't, we weren't, we weren't see that. It won't happen. Um I just don't want to see Matic on the team shit anymore because of <laughs> how how defensive it is. He's literally playing as a third centre-back and you're leaving so much work for the midfield two with Pogba and Bruno to do. And when Pogba doesn't want to play, he decides he doesn't want to play. He'll just start looking for fouls, give the ball away. So he just really left with one midfielder and Bruno. I think the combination of McTominay and Fred has worked really well in the past. Yeah, no, that's 100%. Yeah, that looks really good. And um, also the addition of Cavani up front come up with yeah that's another goals. option doesn't it that we haven't had yeah I, I think i think he's a starter for you guys really in all, in all honesty i wouldn't really play mark he, he scores goals uh he has yeah, that no, kind look, of like now up front that you know you put him one-on-one and nine times out of ten he'll probably score yeah no we've got attacking options good attacking options which is a positive um for me it's just sort of figuring out the best midfield balance so if we can do that 
and get a consistent run, then who knows? I but, think on paper, on know. paper defensively as well, um, set at centre back, I think that's probably where you're weakest. Um, Bai, I'm not a really big fan of his. Um, I think he's so rash. He's literally a quicker version of Ma- Mamadou Sakho, really. Uh, he just gets excited, and you need someone that's going to be a little bit more composed back there. Sometimes he has kind of like balls of steel to try some of the stuff he does. But um, Lindelof... He's uh, been pretty decent in the last couple of games, been all right. Um, but yeah, it's a matter of time. He's, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's a mistake waiting to happen. And yeah. I think you get a little bit more consistency with Lindelof. Um, he has made some important tackles here and there. But again, not the best. And uh, big old slabhead. Um He's done decent. He's not. He's not done too bad in recent weeks. But um, again, he's someone that you need to kind of look at out wide. Yeah. At fullback, you're you're sorted though. Really, uh, Tellez. Yeah. The problem with Slavid is that he just needs like you've seen it with Bay. When he plays with him, I think there is massive like assurance there that you know he's got the pace for coverance. And on he the needs ball, someone to is really good. Yeah, he needs someone there. Literally, literally that to cover him at the back. He's not got the pace to do it. And the problem is that he plays on the left-hand side. So about a good 60-70% of the games that you'll probably see is Luke Shaw plays there. And, and he's a fucking liability as it, as it is. You know, and he needs... He's another one that will go wandering off. And he's the last player that you'd want covering Luke Shaw's position. He's a snail. He's a slug. Like, for him to get out there and all of that is just not going to work. And that's what tends to happen. And I think once they kind of can get Tellez nailed onto that position perfectly and be like, look, you're playing week in, week out. This is yours now. Like how Ambisaka's doing on the other side. I think that's when you start seeing a bit more of a partnership with Tellez and Maguire. And you probably won't see as much as covering from Maguire on that boat because he probably doesn't have to. But I mean, him having to I'm, chase back is really, really like funny to watch. He, yeah, he moves with like five, five MP8. <laughs> <laughs> He's a fucking snail, man. He's so yeah. Sick. It's not. I think it's his head just outweighs his like body. Just fucking. I think, <laughs> I think there's gra- there's grandparents out there that can probably beat him in a race. <laughs> he's so slow. And then obviously coming on to that Cavani point as well. The problem with Cavani is I think he's a good impact player, but I think we've seen it games where off the ball he's really shit. Like. You know, he doesn't really offer much movement. He's, he's good at, yeah, being in the right fox in a box and all that kind of stuff. But the other aspect of the game is there's nothing really there to it. I think unless someone plays beside him or he comes off the bench and 60 minutes into the game and, you know, the other team's tired or something, I think that's an element there. But obviously you've got Diallo coming in on Jan. So interesting to see what happens there. You know, is he is he going to get any game time? If he does get I'm expecting him to get game time because he's bought 40 million. So, but you, you, you yeah. said that you, you, you say that, but look at what happened with Van der Beek. Yeah, I know exactly. So you can't it's really true, trust Folly with that. But, but I'm expecting some game time in it, whether it's a little bit or whatever it is. And if and if he does come good, then or if there are some sort of glimmers there, then you never know. You could see, you know, Greenwood shifting around. You could see some positional changes, you know, happening. So it's interesting. Yeah. But, it- yeah, options, isn't it, basically? Exactly. And then the good thing is, at the moment, is that because we're at a high, players like Marshall that have been kind of that are playing shit at the moment, we're in no position to keep them now. So we are in a good position where we can just get rid of them and be like, look, we're not we're not kind of dragging you along. We don't need you now. 
you know, you're not you're not cutting it, and we can go buy someone better because we're actually uh, playing or we get picking up points, we're winning games with these type of bystander players. You know, there's an option for them to just for us to actually sell them. Where before we'd have to keep them, you know, because we probably won't get anything much better, and we'll probably get shagged on price or something like that. You know, so I think the strategy and stuff, I think it's headed in like a good direction, but. You know, January, um, interesting to see what happens. I think there's that DM lingering around, that Colombian one, 19 years old. Again, he's another youth player, but... Pogba at the door then? Yeah, but I'd rather him than like someone like Matic, you know, so gives like another option there, just run around, you know, so... I'd, I'd rather end the conversation there than talk about <laughs> Matic. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this is his last season, you know, and that's it. He can score that day. Has he got hopes? This is it. He just signed a one year contract, didn't he? I mean, I don't understand it. I think, I hope it. I hope I think that's just to make do. sure he doesn't leave on a free. I mean, I'd happily let him go on a free. But this is the problem with you. Right? They he just to keep free. these contracts just so. Yeah. I guess that's enough for United. But I think one of the quick mention before we, before we wrap it up is obviously Liverpool. You know, the. The reigning champions um, are they going to be able to defend their title? Um, I, I personally think they will. I think they'll probably win again this year, um, and the, the, they'll they'll pick it up. They'll pick it up as it goes on. They've got the experience in the team now. They've got winners in the team, so I, I think they'll they'll end up winning it pretty comfortably. What do you think about that, Dim? I don't really think so, to be honest. It's quite tight right now, um, and. I expect us to pick up some more injuries along the way. Unless we sign another centre-back or two in January, I think it's going to be really, really close. Um, there's not, re- there's no relying on Matip. But I, I think he's a brilliant player, but he's not really reliable in terms of injuries. And you can't really rely on the likes of Nat Phillips and Reese Williams to fill in alongside Fabinho. And even then, Fabinho has a tendency of also getting injured sometimes as well. So... It's a bit of a perilous situation. There's talk of signing uh, Ozan Kabak from um, Schalke. This is 20 years old, but he's got experience at the top level. But there was also kind of talk of Ezekiel Garay. And I don't want him anywhere near my club, to be honest, because he's well past it. And I don't want another situation of a Maguire chasing back kind of thing. Like, no way, no way. I laugh at United for it. It's not happening at my club. Um, but yeah, going forward, hopefully soon we'll have uh, Thiago um, is obviously back uh, today um, in in the, the his game against Newcastle uh, as it's been uh, just announced. But also having Jota back uh, in the next couple of weeks would be really really good. Um, you know, we're needing to rotate a lot more, and there's an increase in reliance on Mane, Salah, and Firmino to really lead the charge. Really. Um, Firmino stepped it up in the last couple of weeks and to his credit um, has been chipping in with some really important goals but it's going to be a tough, tough year and there's only been 15 games played so I think it's really early to say that we're going to walk it to be honest Um, so yeah, uh, I think we've dropped some stupid points here and there you know, drawing at Brighton, uh, West Brom Fulham teams that we should easily be walking three points so, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough one. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think because the expectation in Liverpool has just been so high. Yeah, yeah. One sec, one sec. I think you're going to have to restart that because I accidentally interrupted you. But yeah. right, you can start now, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I think that's because the expectation of Liverpool has just been set so high over the past two years. So I think you are going to see a bit of burnout. <coughs> you are going to see points drop. It's impossible to maintain the standards that they have over the last two years. So I think... And you've seen other teams progress. I think their style of football and how they play and the players that have, been, that have been signing, someone like Villa, relegation candidates just survived and now they're like looking at like there's going to be top six, you know, just a couple of signings here and there. So I think, you know, there's massive changes going around in other teams. I mean, we've set the bar really high as well. And I know before this season, it was something like 196 points over three seasons before this season started. And I think that is a ridiculous amount of points in terms of the grand scheme of things. And I think, I know, you know, losing is really, really tough and we're not very used to losing, but I think we've set the bar so high that there's a kind of expectation for us to kind of walk pretty much every game. And I think that's kind of unrealistic now, especially in the situation that we're in, in terms of injuries, we look at COVID as well. Um, having an issue there might be a you know circuit breaker or you know another lockdown in terms of stopping the football for a period of time so I think for us to realistically be looking at that type of uh, performance level before the pandemic I don't think it's realistic if I'm honest so guys thanks for listening uh, it's been a really interesting uh, debate especially on the number 10s and you know also looking ahead to uh, 2021 we just want to say happy new year from the football club podcast and we hope it's a prosperous new year going ahead and uh, a good year in terms of football uh, we can hopefully put the, the pandemic behind us eventually uh, so yeah stay safe and we'll see you next time thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast Please share it with your friends and family and don't forget to leave a review on the various podcast platforms. We'll see you next time.